0: Matthew chapter five verse six, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. my well, friends, we as we continue our studies uh, in this, these beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're looking this morning at this uh, fourth beatitude, the halfway point, uh, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, craving. Spiritual things, saying, desiring spiritual things. And this is what I think this beatitude uh, is all about. Now, Christ, as we said before, is at the beginning of the sermon, he's painting this picture for us and his hearers of a true believer. And uh, thousands, of course, of the local Jews are listening uh, to this great preacher. They love already, early in his ministry, uh, this preacher. They loved to sit under the sound of his word. No one spoke like the Lord Jesus spoke, and so they followed him and they would willingly go even without food uh, and, and, and drink uh, so that they might capture everything. They didn't want to miss anything that he said. Well, so many of these people, uh, really we have to say, were Jewish people, they were actually re- religious people. No doubt there were some people who were not very religious, there were some people who were uh, maybe sinners above others' men, so to speak, in a, w- a worldly sense. But the vast majority of them, they must have been religious Jews, they must have been those who paid attention to the religious rules of the day, who followed uh, the, the Old Testament rituals and so on of the day. They were faithful in attending the synagogue. They were faithful. The young men and the uh, adult men made sure they went to those three festivals each each year, which had to be observed. They kept the ceremonial laws. They're very specific about those things, and particular about uh, keeping the Sabbath day a holy and not breaking the rules that... Uh, not only the Lord had given, but even the Pharisees had laid down for them. They avoided certain meats. This is how they lived their lives. They had those rules and regulations that they were following. So they, the vast majority of the Christ listeners were actually religious people. But they were still unconverted people, many of them. The majority of them would still ha- ha- didn't know the Lord didn't have a true relationship with God. They had the name of Jew. They believed in God. They were not atheists. They were not even agnostics. They they believed in the God of the Old Testament. But there was still something missing with them. They were still devoid of spiritual life, of the love for God. That of love for the God that they believed in with their minds. They believed, they knew, they were familiar with that record of the, in the Old Testament of what God had done for Israel. They believed those things, but they didn't know Him in a personal, saving way. They had no relationship with this uh, God. And one can imagine that as Christ is here describing a true believer to them in these Beatitudes, Surely, 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 many of them must have thought, he's describing something I'm unfamiliar with. He's describing a kind of life and a religious life that is, I'm a stranger to. I cannot identify with what he is saying. What Jesus is here describing in these eight Beatitudes, well, I I don't know what he's he's really talking about. I know how to go to the temple. I know how to keep the Sabbath day holy. I know how to keep those feasts and those ceremonial things. But to have a character like this, yes, I've read about people who are poor in spirit, but I've not really had that as my experience. I've read about meek, I've read about people hungering and thirsting after righteousness, but it's never really been my experience. They would have thought to themselves. And I, I'm a stranger to these things. So you see, as Christ is showing them, this is a picture of what a true believer is. It's They were searching their hearts. And all preaching, really, all good preaching should do this. It's not only to educate us and to address our minds. All of us, as we sit under the sound of preaching, should be searching our hearts. But what a picture this is, isn't it, friends? Uh, of a true believer. We said it before, the believer is a paradox, a a very curious paradox. There's no one really like the believer when you compare him with the unbeliever they're really chalk and cheese really, especially on the spiritual side. On the one hand, the believer he, he rejoices that all his sins are forgiven, he's full of joy and gladness and these things, and yet there are other things that are troubling him in life. His, his mourning and his groaning uh, over not his share prices going down and the losses in this life, but he's groaning over uh, the fact that he cannot uh, be as he wants to be before the Lord. He grieves over that besetting sin that y- yesterday he repented of and today he did it again. And uh, he's, uh, he's upset about these things. And yet at the same time, he's happy in the Lord, and you ask him, "Are you content in the Lord?" He will say, "Yes," and he means it. So, he's, this conundrum is that like he's happy and uh, he's sad. He comes before God uh, empty-handed and devoid of anything uh, to promote himself, and yet he has everything, and he is rich in God's favor with God's blessing. He hungers and thirsts for righteousness, which is our text today and yet he is filled. On the one hand, he is dissatisfied, and on the other hand, he is satisfied. Uh, It's uh, it's strange, isn't it? But this is the kind of person every true believer is. He's thankful for all that he has received from the Lord, and yet he yearns in his heart for more. He's he's, he's glad for, for the grace that has been given to him by God, but he longs for more grace from the Lord. This is uh, how he is. So this is what we're looking at, friends, today. This uh, fourth uh, beatitude here in verse six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now in contrast uh, with the unbeliever, the the whirling, the believers here is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The unconverted person, he hankers after, he yearns for, he pines for, he aches for, he sighs for material things. He sighs for the things that are in this world. The the world comes comes before this person, let's say he is a young person because... uh, uh, the world comes before him and, and lays down all opportunities and promises this young man, this young woman, so many things. Oh, you follow me. you put, Give your life, your heart and soul to me, the world says, and I will give you success. I will make you famous. I will, I will make you rich. The world says all these things. Oh, I, w- I will make you successful in life. The world's offerings, it lays down its opportunities on the table before that young man and before that young woman, and it promises all these things. And often the young people are drawn in, isn't it? They're drawn in, they think, well, they they hunger and they thirst, they crave these earthly things, these earthly uh, blessings. And so they, they say to themselves, perhaps, if I put my heart and my soul into, into this dream, and I, if I give it my time and my energy, oh, it will become a reality to me. I can see uh, myself in 10 years, 20 years' time. This is where I want to be, and this is the kind of lifestyle I want to have. I'm now a young man, and the world is before me. The world is my oyster. Well, I can achieve these things if just I give myself wholeheartedly for it. And so they, they're driven by uh, a desire for these things. This is what they hunger for and they thirst what the world offers to them. But friends, there's no guarantee that you'll achieve what you desire in the world. The world, as you know, makes many promises which it doesn't keep. In fact, it hardly ever keeps its promises. And uh, it leaves often people unsatisfied because we were made to know God. And we'll never be satisfied until we come to know Him. But you can, if if you're a young person, I would advise you to talk to some of the older people here and ask them their experience of things. Because we often started also with the same aspirations and the same desires uh, for the world. But we can tell you that the world disappoints, the world doesn't keep its promises. You can learn from our experience to not to go down the same way, but we have found satisfaction, we have found contentment in Christ and that's a blessing. So the believer in contrast to the, the whirling, her hungers and thirsts not after earthly things but after righteousness here. after spiritual blessings and they shall be filled is the promise those uh, God-given desires that are placed in the heart those God-given desires after good things are planted in the hearts of God's people by the Lord himself if you have a good desire towards the Lord it is God-given it's not natural even and he puts it there with an intention to satisfy that desire. God doesn't tantalize us with a stick and a carrot, you know, and just something that we can never reach. He plants desires in our hearts with a view that we will then pray for those things and that we will seek him for those things so that then he will answer. But it started with him because he gave the desire in the first place. But his intention all along is to give us those things that we ask, those good things. We read it in the Psalm, uh, Psalm 145, verse 19. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Desires even are from the Lord. Do you have an earnest desire here this morning uh, to be saved? A longing in your heart to be know the Lord, to be right with Him. This is what you desire above all things god will grant your desire do you have an earnest desire in your heart to please the lord more to grow in grace to be used of the lord to be instrumental in bringing other people into his kingdom that's god-given and god will grant your desire as well My friends this is uh this is what the lord will do for us now these two words as you can see Hunger and thirsting are very intense words. This is not just a person who has missed a meal or two meals, this is a a person who hasn't eaten for many, many days and is hungering uh, and is we could say he truly is uh, starving. It's expressive of a very strong uh, desire. Perhaps none of us have really known what it is to hunger and to thirst. Thirst, they say, is an even stronger desire than hunger, with dehydration leading to uh, extreme uh, thirst. But those uh, here, so so those here who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we can say that they they have a a strong desire for righteousness. It's not just a passing desire. It's not a whim, uh, a a passing fancy. It's a Craving, we could say, for it. They're pining for righteousness. They're yearning for it. They're longing for righteousness. This is uh, the intensity of their feeling. But what is this object that he is craving for? Righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Our uh, friends, I have to say this, but it's not social justice that is... Uh, in mind here. Uh, that's not primarily in mind. The believer, is not, it's not the believer seeing all the injustices and the evils that are in the world and then crying to God to set the world aright. That's not what this text is saying. God is a God of justice and he does hate injustice in all its forms and every unfair act will be punished either in this life or in the next life, and at the judgment day, every act will be will be uh, accounted for. But uh, the this this verse is not teaching us that we the church should be, as it were, fighting for social justice. Now there's a lot of talk today about social justice, and a lot of churches are getting involved in in the fight for social justice. Just uh, a while ago, when we were at the Refreshers' Fair at the university. I met a very uh, uh, an able and capable uh, young man, very intelligent young man and uh, very well-spoken young man and uh, he was minding the stall for the multi-faith section and uh, the, 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 it was for multi-faith uh, for action or for discussion about social issues. That was the particular theme and topic of his stall and he actually approached me and he said to me we were directly opposite uh, his store and he actually approached me and he said well do you discuss do you discuss these social issues global warming and you know all the other things at uh, at your church i said well we mention it in passing we do talk about it but we don't fo- uh, focus on it i said i said to him and uh, uh, this is, there are so many people talking about social injustice these days and fighting for that corner, but there are so few people talking about spiritual things and man's spiritual need to be right with God. And While we don't neglect addressing those particular issues, the role and function of the church is primarily to preach the gospel, to see men's lives changed. That's what we want. That's the greatest thing that that the church can do, and yet so many churches get sidetracked into fighting for global warming and fighting for uh, rights and so on. We can do that on an individual basis, and there's there's sometimes a need uh, to do that uh, on, uh, on an individual basis. Sometimes we get asked the question about slavery. Well, why didn't Paul address slavery in the New Testament? Why did he say nothing? Why didn't he, he, he cause the church to up arms and, and oppose Rome and the, the slavery of the times? Well, friends, the answer is it wasn't the right time to do it. The church was just finding its feet at that time. To rise up at that particular time and fight against slavery would have, would have caused a lot of harm and, and uh, danger uh, to the church. But later on, in due time, slavery was addressed and was addressed by Christian men, and Christian men like William Wilberforce, and was brought to an end as a result of the actions and the pursuit of godly men, uh, here here in Britain, in fact. And so there was a time uh, for it. So we're not opposed to uh, social fights for social justice, but we have to say the church's primary role is to uh, fight uh, for uh, the the Gospel and for men's souls. We could say really the the greatest social injustice is that people are not treating God fairly. That's the greatest injustice isn't it? God has been kind, God has been good, He has a right to our worship, He has a right to our service and we don't give it to Him. That's, That's unjust, that's unfair, that's what we want to tell the world, you are responsible uh, to the Lord, but uh, so this first this beatitude is not referring uh, to social uh, justice. It is, we could say, initially a desire to be right with God. The person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, or well, he longs to be initially in a right standing with God. He knows that uh, he is a sinner. God has awakened him to see his sins and he begins to seek after the Lord. He knows that he is unrighteous, he is at a distance from God. He stands because of his sins condemned by God and he longs for that status of his to be changed. He longs to be in a right relationship with, with God where God's blessing is upon him and not God's condemnation. And he wants to be righteous and accepted by God. And he yearns for this thing. He desires it. It's not just something that he wishes. He's longing for this thing. Well, how can it be, friends? We ask ourselves once again. How can a sinful person, as you and I are, how can we be accepted by a holy God? A God who is holy, 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 who cannot stand sin who hates sin how can we be accepted uh, by god well the sinner needs uh, two things the bible teaches us he needs forgiveness of all his sins and christ died uh, to uh, take away our sins so that we trust in him yes all our sins is for are forgiven but he also needs something else if he only has forgiveness and he doesn't have righteousness he cannot, God cannot let him into heaven. Righteousness, a perfect righteousness, is his ticket that he presents at the gate of heaven and that will let him in. Without righteousness, he cannot get in. But where are we to find righteousness? Again, in Christ. Christ not only died for sinners, Christ lived for sinners. Christ lived a perfect life of righteousness, not for himself, but for his people, for all who would trust in him. So that the moment a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that righteousness of God, that righteousness of Christ is imputed to them. It's put to their account. And that's what you present uh, to God on, on the gates of heaven. Your trust is in the righteousness of another, of one uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's what we read as well in Philippians chapter 3 when he said he's done with his own righteousness. He's done, he counts it all as, as done, his, his own righteousness. But he said, my desire is to be, have the righteousness which is of God by faith, by faith in Jesus Christ, not my own so that's the two things a person needs. And a sinner is made aware of these things. And he, he craves to be right with God. When he's awakened, he begins to seek the Lord. And this becomes the one must-have in his life. It tops all his other desires in life. I remember, friends, when I was seeking the Lord. And uh, yes, I, had, I was a young person. I had desires as well, just like any young man, I wanted a family, I wanted a good career, a well-paying job, uh, I wanted a, a home to live in, but I can truly say that when the Lord began to work in my heart, the one thing that I wanted above everything else is, Lord, just, I just want to be saved, I want to be yours, I want to belong to you, I want to have a new heart, I want to know you, the reality of, of these things that I'm reading about in your word, that's what I wanted, above all the other things. And I I was prepared, Lord, if I don't get all the other things, as long as you give me this one thing, I will be happy. And isn't that the same for you? Isn't that your experience as well, not just mine? Every person who has come to the Lord, surely in some degree or other, has felt uh, this uh, urge, this call, I must be the Lord's. Well, friends, perhaps you are here and you are seeking uh, you are seeking the Lord. Are you hungering and thirsting, craving for this blessing from the Lord? Or can you take it or leave it? Yeah. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't come, it's okay. I'll focus on something else. No, friends. Salvation must be the one must-have uh, in your life. Choose this. Choose this good part. This is the one thing that you need above and beyond everything else. Oh, let go of other sins, other, other things, maybe the world or uh, evil things may be drawing you at the other side, pulling you away from Christ. Let go of those things and uh, take what the Lord uh, gives to you. Be ready to give up all those things so that you may have uh, this great blessing. But then, after that period of seeking, And uh, comes that precious moment, isn't it, with that moment we've been craving for, when our desire is satisfied. And the Lord does meet us. And the Lord does give us. He opens our hearts and He opens our eyes. And we begin. To, we understand and that moment comes when we put our trust in the Lord and we are glad and we can leap for joy because of our, we know our sins are forgiven at that time. We know He has heard our cry. We know that we are accepted by the Lord. He has done these things. We know that we are new creatures in Christ and He has changed us. This is, uh, this is the great blessing He grants to us Uh, the desire ah, he fills us in this way by giving to us that which we have craved for we see the lord and we trust in him and uh, we uh, know that we are blessed we know that now our eternal destiny has changed here we are rescued now from eternal hell and now we are heading towards heaven for sure what an assurance is given friends uh, uh, graciously by the Lord. But then uh, this hungry and thirsting doesn't cease after a person becomes a believer. It continues, and it now desires righteousness in the sense of conformity to Jesus Christ. He desires now the believer to be like the Savior who has saved him. This is what we studied last Thursday in our Bible study on sanctification The aim of God is not just to save us and leave us there and then just wait for for eternity, wait for heaven. No, friends, the aim of God in saving us is to make you and I who trust in Him like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's purpose. Romans 8, 29, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And this is what the believer is, is now longing for uh, uh, to be more and more like the Savior. Perhaps you've heard uh, that hymn, uh, Oh, to be like the Blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. And it goes on. To be like Christ. The believer now longs to be like Christ. Christ is kind. He wants to be kind. Christ is a gracious person. He wants to be gracious. Christ is meek and lowly. He wants to exhibit the same meekness and lowliness towards others. Christ is uh, loves the lost, and he wants to feel as well that compassion for those who, who who, who are perishing as well he does you know he prays for the lord to remove the hardness the coldness towards the others from his heart because he wants to be uh, pitiful towards those who are going the wrong way he longs to be long-suffering like the savior he longs to be zealous like the lord he sees the lord as in we read in, in john 2 17 Uh, The disciples, when they saw the Lord uh, cleansing the temple of those money changers and the sheep and the other animals that were found uh, unlawfully in in the temple area, and he cleared them all away, and they said of him, they remembered, it was written of him, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And the believer says, I, well, I want to be zealous for the Lord. How can I be uh, cold for the Lord? How can I be half-hearted by these things? Zeal must be a, a part a fire in my bones as well. And he, he sees uh, the holiness of Christ. And he also longs to be free uh, from the taint of sin. And so every day he's battling against sin. He's fighting against it because what's driving this believer? What's driving him? Well, it's this hungering and thirsting after righteousness to be like the Lord. He overcomes one bad habit and he thirsts to put down more. He acquires one virtue and he thirsts to acquire more. He has much grace, but he thirsts for more. So this is him. He's rejoicing in advance. He, uh, in spiritual progress, yes, he sees it. He doesn't deny it. He attributes uh, that work, not to himself, but to the Holy Spirit. And God has helped him. He dare not deny that he has changed, because that's God's work. But at the same time, he doesn't rest on his laurels and say, Well, I've achieved, and I've much, and there's nothing else for me uh, to do. No more ground for me to conquer. Not like Alexander. Alexander, after he had conquered all the worlds, he cried, isn't it? He cried and said, because there were no more worlds to conquer. Well, the believer cannot say that. There's always something for us to do, always areas in our life, till we are taken home to be with the Lord. When we're taken home to be with the Lord, then we'll be cleared of all unrighteousness and all sin, and given those new uh, sin Sinless and glorified bodies like our Lord Jesus Christ. But now, uh, how, is, uh, how is the believer, we could ask, going to have this desire for righteousness satisfied? He longs for it, he hungers and thirsts for it, he craves for it. How uh, can he be satisfied? Well, friends, he must put himself in the way where his desires can be, satis- can be met. Blind Bartimaeus, you remember when he knew and heard in advance Jesus was passing by the way, he placed himself on that road, on that path, where Christ was passing, so that uh, when he passed, he could cry out, Jesus, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And again and again he pleaded, but he put himself in the way. You remember also the poor Lazarus, poor poor beggar that he was. His only friends were the dogs who came and licked his sores. But where did he place himself? He placed himself at the gate of the rich man's house in order hoping to get some crumbs or some leftovers from that rich man's house. He didn't get any. But uh, thats he knew the place where he should have put himself. And for us as believers who hunger and thirst after conformity to Christ, We have to also place ourselves in a a way where we can receive uh, from the Lord. Where where is this way? The house of God is one way. To be in the house of God, the the believer who is hungering and thirsting after righteousness, he can't get enough of the house of God. The the early church, well, they met every single day uh, for uh, worship and for, for learning. But the believer, we can't do that today, but the believer here uh, who is hungry, well, he wants to learn. He wants to be instructed from the Word. He wants to sit under the sound of preaching. Sometimes he cannot make it on the Lord's Day because maybe he's, he works in the emergency services. Or perhaps he's ill and he cannot make it, but that's only occasional. Otherwise, he's there. You don't have to phone him and tell him to be there. You don't have to keep encouraging this person to be there. He comes of his own free will. He loves to be there. It's not too much for him to go out to midweek meetings. He likes to be there because he's he's got this appetite that needs to be fed. And he's getting something uh, from the Word. He's got a spiritual appetite. But then again, the believer who hungers and thirsts after conformity to Christ, well, you see him... Uh, daily in his Bible, he loves his Bible. He reads his Bible. Uh, this is this book is his spiritual food. Of course, it is. He reads. He stops. He thinks. He chews uh, on on the Word of God. He dwells upon those things that he is reading. Uh, some people, some people eat very, very, very fast. Everybody's different. But some people eat tremendously fast, can't keep up with them. But uh, we shouldn't read our Bibles like that. We shouldn't read our Bibles very, very, very fast. You know, I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, I came across something, an article or two, which said that it takes uh, 20 minutes, when you start eating, it takes about 20 minutes for uh, the brain to register that you're full. So they tell you you should eat slowly instead of eating fast because you're more likely to feel fuller, Uh, eat less if you take your time. But uh, we need to take our time, friends, with the Word of God and not rush through it and just feel we've done our bit. The hungry Billy wants to get something from the Word. He longs to derive some spiritual uh, blessing and help and promise and truth and duty. Sanctify them through Thy truth Thy word is truth, the Lord said. But then again, the believer who hungers and thirsts after conformity to Christ, of course, he is a praying person. He's a praying man. He's a praying woman. Uh, He he spends time alone with the Lord and uh, in personal communion. And prayer, friends, what is prayer? Prayer is making known to the Lord the desires of our heart. The things that are in our hearts we make it known to him he, it's expressing those desires to him of course we must praise him of course we must worship him and give thanks and we confess to him and we petition him we also make known to him those requests that we have in our hearts and this uh, this these ways that we pick up uh, uh help us to grow in grace they satisfy us and feed our, our desire to be righteous. These are spiritual habits, friends. Day by day, the believer engages in these things. Oh, uh, isn't there a magic formula? Can't you just say abracadabra, and a and, and person is uh, made holy and is uh, made righteous, and that's it? No, friends, it doesn't work like that. That's what some people say. You need the second blessing. You need that one experience. If you only just pursue and hunger and thirst after this one experience, then that will be it. God will bless you once you have that. That's not true. That's not biblical. Friends, it's in the day-to-day a doing of these things, these spiritual duties, that you will grow, that you will be uh, come to know the Lord better day by day, that you will have spiritual success. If a person professors to be a believer and he's not in the way of these things something's wrong isn't it <laughs> if a person uh, has uh, has no spiritual appetite something is wrong if a person stops eating their food something is wrong isn't it something is wrong with them you know everyone knows and it's the same if somebody has no appetite for prayer no appetite for the word of god no appetite for the house of god Oh, friends, we should be uh, ravenous, as one preacher put it, oh, for a ravenous appetite for Christ. And that's what we need to be. Well, friends, uh, one, more th- one or two more things, and then I'm done. To keep alive uh, this spiritual appetite, remember, as well, certain things must be avoided. Snacking in between meals spoils our appetite. And if I overindulge in the world, and its entertainments, or even in the legitimate things. Uh, we are bombarded these days, aren't we? There's so much news. News is coming to us from all over the place. We get it on our TVs, we get it on our radio, we turn on our laptops, it's there. Uh, the phones, you switch it on, and uh, uh, it's there. Podcasts, emails, notifications, text messages, everywhere we're getting news and information uh, overload. Oh, we've got to be careful, because too much even of a good thing like that, or a, a legitimate thing, may dull our spiritual appetites, I mean, it may indispose us. When we come to prayer, we may find it difficult, because our hearts are more in those other things, and it may dull our appetite for Bible reading and so on, so we have to be sparing and careful. Oh, it's so important for us careful how we handle the things of the world, that they don't become the dominant things in us. They are servants. They are our slaves. They don't become our masters. Well, verse 6 ends with this uh, wonderful encouragement. They shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. They shall be satated. I will make progress against my besetting sins. I will respond in a better way. I will have more spiritual joy in my life. My prayers shall be answered. A faith will, will increase and instrumentality in reaching souls will be granted to me. This is what we desire, isn't it, friends? As believers, and the Lord will bless us in these things. Well, I close just with a word of encouragement. If you have, we said it already, if you have a sincere desire to be saved, that's a gift from God. That's something God has placed in you. Though you're not yet saved, and perhaps you are struggling. Perhaps you are torn between two. Oh friend, I encourage you, pursue that desire. God will satisfy you. God will give you a conversion. Perhaps you've backslidden from the Lord. Perhaps Bible reading and prayer now have become something dull to you and something as irksome to you. Well, now's the time. You feel, well, I I want to get back to the Lord. I want to return to Him. Now I want it to be as it was in days past. Oh, that it were as it were in days past is your cry. Well, that's a desire from the Lord. Follow it up. The Lord says, return to Him, and He will return to you. Or perhaps you're a believer mourning uh, because your sanctification is incomplete. Mourning over remaining sin, well, let the text really encourage you, because the text says, not those uh, who are full of righteousness will be blessed, are blessed, but those who are craving it, those who are desiring it, they're the ones, you have that desire, they are the ones who are blessed, you are blessed if you're in that position. So here it is, friends, this fourth beatitude, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Let's close by singing our final hymn, which is number 469. Now, Saviour, now thy love impart. 469.